You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Bears free agency reactions from a multitude of different perspectives. I bring on a whole bunch of guests to talk through the recent news surrounding Bears free agency acquisitions on this two-part episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And today I've got a treat for y'all because I've got not one, not two, but three guests on with me today as I've got Dan DeYoung of, well, formerly the Loop Sports. We've got Brad Spielberger from Over the Cap, the wonderful cap analyst that contributes all the time for us. Thank you, Brad. And I've got Kari Thompson, a new face on my podcast, but somebody who I've been looking to get on for a while. So I'm excited to see how this goes as we talk free agency. Guys, how are you doing? I guess we'll start with Dan because I can't have all of y'all talk at once. I'm doing good, man. It's been a while, you know, just chilling inside this whole quarantine life. I'm back home my, spending my senior semester or my second semester senior year of college at home. That's fun crazy. times, real fun times. It's weird, dude. It feels like I, I moved out a... Uh, like, they basically told us, like, you have to leave now. Like, you have to go, or if you're off campus right now, you have to go get your stuff now and come home. So it felt like I went there and I was like, oh, I'm graduated. But like, oh, no, I have to do online classes for, like, a month. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Yeah. That's the worst. My brother's Excellent. going through something similar. He's a Working sophomore from home, Taylor. but school edition. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you don't get paid. You pay them, actually. Uh, hey, Brad? just like NCAA sports, bro. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What's that life like, Mr. Titan? Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> Brad, how are you doing? Doing well. Yeah, also a little bit of cabin fever. Also finishing up school, but I, I do feel bad, Dan. Grad school, not as bad to be from home. Nearly as bad as, as wrapping college up that way. But, you know, it could be worse, so staying positive. We'll make it. We'll make it. It, ugh. I, you know, I keep trying to be positive and so on and so forth. I know I've been kind of insulated from this. I work in the tech industry by day, moonlighting as a podcaster. But moving on from there, it's it's just interesting because, you know, I sit at home and you, I keep forgetting that there's this pandemic outside. But every time, you know, obviously I think to go to the store or something, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I should bring some hand sanitizer or something. And you remember real fast. Now, I know Kari is a young dad, so... That's got to be a really interesting change of pace when it comes to everything going on outside. How's it been in there? Well, you know, um, not too bad. Uh, we've been kind of, we got the baby monitor over here off to the side and we're anxiously, you know, checking over to see if she's waking up. We had a scare a little bit there, like right when we were getting started, like she was starting to fidget and flail and all that. And she finally went back down. So it's like, that's, that's our life now is basically just like, um, you know, uh, entertaining her while she's awake and praying that she stays asleep. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, she's great. And I mean, honestly, uh, you know, it, it's 
it's been an odd situation, right? Because, uh, you know, there's so much you want, like we kind of wanted to do with her, right? Like right before all this stuff happened, we were just starting to take her out and like meet other parents and like, you know, other kids, like, you know, her, her age, you know, other newborns and, and like, we were kind of getting out of our shell because we had been stuck in, you know, uh, you know, paternity leave for so long. And then all of a sudden this happens and we can't, like, I mean, we go out, like we go on walks, but like, we don't, can't go meet people, you know? So it's like, we're definitely getting a little bit of cabin fever here for sure. But, you know, we're, we're dealing with it, you know, day by day. And, um, you know, I got a little bit more time off. So it's great to be able to do this because, you know, without being able to do a little bit of like podcasting and sports talk, like the, the entire sports world being shut down is kind of messing with me right now. Because uh, this was supposed to be uh, my prime like basketball watching time. You know what I mean? Oh, man. I, I do know what you mean, as a matter of fact, because my alma mater, Baylor, is having their best basketball season ever, and we don't get a tournament. So <laughs> we'll never know. And now, granted, they were sliding at the end of the year, so they very well could have disappointed us in like a Sweet 16 or, or Gracious Alive. Everybody always wants to replay that Georgia State loss we had with the guy who, you may remember, he sank a three from a mile away and the coach fell on the ground. That was against us, and we live in it. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's been so bizarre. I mean, I live in NFL Game Pass, so I keep forgetting sports aren't on because usually I didn't get to watch them anyways around this time of season. But, yeah. hey, it's... It's been weird, but one of the most interesting things about free agency has been that it was completely unaffected. Now, I know there are a lot of opinions about whether that was good or not, but I'll take it as a welcome distraction. And one of the most interesting parts about free agency that a lot of people don't talk about is how things change as details come out more and more often. You hear a player got signed, you assume he got paid X, Y, Z, and then it turns out he got paid something else, or maybe exactly what you thought, and sometimes it'll either confirm or completely shift your impression of a player. So that's the podcast that I want to see if we can have. Hey, what did you think then? Yeah. And what did you think now? And we'll start with the most recent news, German Ifedi. I sure hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, coming from Seattle. Now, oh, Brad, how do I pronounce it? Jermaine Ifedi. Jermaine Ifedi. Perfect. Now, I read your article, as a matter of fact, talking about his projections and how for a one-year deal, he was likely to make somewhere between three and six million dollars a year. But he did not. He, in fact, came in at under the minimum rate that would qualify for a compensatory pick, thus keeping the Bears with all of the current compensatory picks they have, which I can't remember at the moment. So I'll turn that over to somebody else when we get there. But he comes in at a much cheaper price, a true backup deal with 60 game starting experience, most of them at tackle, but some at guard. And all of a sudden, a player that had some question marks and maybe needed to be a reclamation project come, becomes a legitimate starting depth guard that might be able to start if Juan Castillo can find the magic in him. What do you guys think? Because this one got a lot better in my book when the money came out. Dan, what do you think? I mean, it was a move that I didn't, it didn't bother me too much when I saw the contract. I was like, eh, okay, I guess, you know, Ryan Pace gets his guy, as we were joking about beforehand. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a fine move. And then, similar to you, when I heard that the contract details was under, I was like, all right, this is promising. See what you can do with a first-round guy. Might as well at this point. You need to fix that offensive line. So, getting a former first-round pick, get who has starting experience, sure. Kari, what do you got? So, I mean, I thought that it was 
I thought that it, it was kind of a, I don't know, solid signing, I, I suppose, just, just on paper, right, before even knowing about the money. I mean, I had watched him a little bit, um, you know, from when he was in Seattle. I definitely watched a lot of Seahawks football, um, you know, during that time because I'm uh, Marshawn Lynch, is one of my favorite players of all time, you know, so I, de- mm-hmm. I, I was watching a lot of Seahawks. And so, um, you know, I caught I caught a Fetty a little bit, um, you know, obviously not uh you know, an elite player of any kind, but, um, you know, as far as offensive linemen go, you can do worse. And so when I saw it, I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is not necessarily a guy that I'm looking to come in and this is the answer for all that ails the right side of the offensive line, but that it would be uh, solid enough. But I'll say this, um, you know, as in keeping with most of the offseason signings, with the exception of probably one that I'm sure we're going to talk about, um, the Chicago Bears have consistently found a way to you know, get a get a decent deal out, out of out of the players that they've signed. Um, and, and so kind of seeing uh, how little it costs them, um, I, it, it's, you know, as somebody else put it earlier, right, it's if it works out, then it's the steal of the offseason. If it doesn't work out, then it's cheap depth and you don't really miss it. Uh, you know, so uh, for example, you know, somebody was talking, you know, back when uh, Barcadius Mingo, you know, signed with the Bears, um, you know, I believe his last week, honestly, it's so hard to to know at this point because everything just blends together. But um, yeah, when, when Barcadius Mingo signed, um, you know, some people were talking about like, oh yeah, like a boomer bust sort of project. And it's like, not really, um, you know, for, for what, Ryan Pace signed with a guy like Mingo and with a guy in like a Fetty, right? It's, you know, if you get something from them, awesome. Um, you know, especially for the price that you're getting them for. If you don't, then it's like any other kind of, you know, roster bubble type backup that, um, you know, if if you don't get anything from them, then they're gone the next year and none's the wiser, really. Nobody really cares. Um, at least that's how I see it. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. It's There's a lot of talk about boomer bust signings, and I know very similar to the way that people will criticize some fifth-round picks or sixth-round picks. I know Pace wore Tajo Fajabule, or whatever his name is, the, the guy who got cut almost immediately, for a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, Babaluje, because- yeah. Babaluje, thank you, because apparently every draft pick's got to be incredible just to be a decent GM. In the same way, you'll see some of these depth guys get worn around like Artie Burns, but... When it comes to Ifedi, it seems like he's as good as you could ask for from that bottom of the roster guy that could be middle of the roster. Brad, what do you think? We're all yeah, hanging I on mean, your thought. He's probably, yeah, sure. I mean, he's probably the Seahawks' favorite punching bag, Seahawks Twitter. They do love to, to rag on Ifedi a good bit. Um, but the reality of the NFL market is you're a, start, you're a first-round tackle that started 60 games uh, in the last five seasons. So... I mean, his, the swing tackle for the Seahawks, George Fant, got a three-year, $27 million deal, and he's not even starting over this guy, and you're getting him for the vet minimum of eight hundred, you know, $800,000. So on a value st- from a value standpoint, you can't beat it. And, you know, as you mentioned, if Juan Castillo does get something out of him, you know, a, you know, a, fl- um, a switch flips and maybe guard is better than tackle, and he signs, you know, even some of the Bears, you know, you sign him for nothing and maybe get a comp pick for him, like that's yeah, that that's what it's all about. It's free money, and you can't find that in too many places. Uh, and then, of course, when it comes to that, so 
I think opinions changed on that, especially once the money did come out. And, you know, that means we've got to talk about the other deal in which you could make the case changed the most over time. And that's that we finally got an information about Nick Foles and exactly what that deal looks like. And I'll be honest, it's still a little complex to me. So just for me and the listeners sake, Brad, could you walk us through the structure of that one more time? We're going to be calling yes, on you a lot. <laughs> yeah, that one was obviously the big one we were all waiting on. Um, and when it came in, it sounds like it's a pretty standard, just three years, $8 million base salary, each of the year deal. Um, so there is still $20.125 million guaranteed, which is the same amount of guarantees that were left in Jacksonville, which is kind of why he's willing to basically chop the total value from 57 all the way to 24 is because those guarantees are still coming. But the beauty of the guarantees, the beauty of the whole contract being base salary is that those void years we were all afraid of and his ability to void the contract, if he voids on his own volition, the remaining guarantees go poof. They're gone. There is no dead money with, with that specific guarantee. Whereas if it was a, if it was a signing bonus or, or something else like that, and I should clarify, that doesn't always apply. So don't, don't go out and put me on that in a general sense. But the way the voids are structured here, they wouldn't be on the hook if he does go, you know, decide to void the rest of the contract. Now, granted, the Bears wouldn't have a, a quarterback on the roster, so that's a, you know, they, they got to cross that bridge when they get to it. But <laughs> I am very happy with the contract once it came out. Uh, he has the ability to obviously boost it with the incentive structure, which we're still waiting on. But they definitely made him a, you know, they definitely were able to fit him on the roster, you know, and they still have room if they want to continue to add, honestly. That's awesome. So I'll flip it back to you one more time, and we'll start with this. Based on what did you think when the trade initially happened, and now that it has the restructure has come out, do you think that it is more worth that fourth-round compensatory pick that sure seemed like an overpay when we originally started out? So I've actually been talking about this since it came out, and my thing there is you don't overpay another NFL team for your individual player to take a contract cut. So... Foles chopping his own money shouldn't make you pay the team more, right? So it's like he took an individual concession. So that's so I still view it the same way from a trade perspective. I'm very happy now about the contract, but I still think the trade was a total overpay, and I don't really understand how they landed on a fourth-round pick. Talk us through that a little more. What what makes you think that they could have gotten him for less, just to really make sure the whole argument is out there in plain English? Sure. So I think it was apparent that, yes, the season was lost by the time that Foles returned and then they turned back to Minshew. But they basically realized that, that Minshew, at the point where they are on their franchise, they may as well take this six-round pick, dirt-cheap player. There's no point in keeping Foles, paying him, you know, $25-plus million a year for the next couple of years when you're, you're gutting the roster, you're getting rid of Clayus Campbell, you're getting rid of A.J. Bowie, like, you're clearly starting over, getting rid of Yannick Ngakwe, probably. Like, they were the Bears were doing them a favor by taking him off their hands. I've seen pushback on that. I've seen people say, like, they would have been happy to keep him. Yeah, they would have done it if they had to, but the reality of the situation is they didn't want to pay Nick Foles and have Nick Foles on their roster. They have a cheap young guy that'll be the bridge to their future. So you don't need to, like, pay a lot for that. I mean... I'm not saying they should have got a pick in return like some people suggested. You know, he's not Brock Osweiler, but but a six-round pick, I don't see why that couldn't have been done. Yo, speaking of Brock Osweiler, like, we, we talk about guys that 
that are just like pros at finessing money out of out of just like absolute bare minimum NFL skill. Brock Osweiler is is among the goats when <laughs> when you're talking about that. Like he he's up there at least so, in terms of in terms of recent memory. I I, I guess I should clarify. You uh, have but, to put Chase man, Daniel in that category too. Oh, Chase I mean, Chase guy, Daniel is King. Chase Daniel's in my top five. You know finesse kings. Like he he's definitely up there. Um, yeah, in in terms of like if you don't mind like you know me just kind of like hopping in please with, with that you know so so to kind of go with Brad's point, you know, about um, how I felt about it in the beginning. I was, I, I don't know. I thought that it was a great idea to think that maybe we could get somebody like a Cam Newton, you know, via trade or waiting for them to cut him or, you know, but, but obviously the, the medicals without, especially like right now, the situation being what it is without us being able to know what the medicals are, are you know in, in terms of it being made public um and, and you know people perhaps being able to do the medical evaluations that you would normally be accustomed to seeing i absolutely understand why you wouldn't take a chance on cam newton and if there's one thing that you would trust ryan pace and and this organization to do well it's medical evaluations because every player that they have let go for medical reasons does not keep playing and, you know, I, I think that they've earned at least that amount of trust, you know, and even somebody like a Derek Carr, you know, kind of flipping to other options. Right. Um, it, is, it was always great to think that they would get one of these top tier, you know, quote unquote options, at least for this round. But it was probably always going to be an Andy Dalton or a Nick Foles. Um, and, and so when it happened, I wasn't surprised. I was definitely pretty irritated with the fourth round thing, especially since in, you know, ju just like off the top of my head, I thought if you had to give up draft, you know, compensation for that, I'm thinking like a sixth rounder, especially for the reasons that Brad outlined, which are the Bears are doing them a favor by taking Nick Foles off their hands. So why are you giving up a, you know, basically a guy that you could turn into a starter, especially when you look at what fourth round picks have been for this organization. They have a pretty good track record of turning fourth rounders into solid players. And you've given that up for Nick Foles, you know, so, so the contract is nice, but the, I, I think that, you know, perhaps it feels a little bit better in terms of the the X's and O's and what I think Nick Foles could be in this offense. And not that I think that he's going to be particularly great, um, but I think that he'll be competent enough. But I think that it's kind of it, it was perhaps a push emotionally for me, because once I got over the fact that Foles was here and they gave up what they were going to give up to give to get him, because that's what Ryan Pace does. He goes and gets whoever he feels like getting and, you know, hang, you know, the, the picks and the compensation he has to give up. Um, I was just kind of like, you know what? He's here. Let's see what's up. And see, that's the thing, because that attitude is exactly something that I know I was at about a week ago. And the more and more that I've processed it, the more I've talked to people, the more I've watched film, the more that, and we'll talk more about Ryan Pace later, so let me focus on the Foles move here, the more I like the player in and of itself. Like you've talked about with Cam Newton, 
the medical thing is a major issue more in that the teams can't check on anybody right now. So a lot of these guys, people like Tony Jefferson, for instance, who's coming off an ACL injury, he's not signed yet, if I understand that correctly. And it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of it is because teams can't check him out. So Foles, the player, comes in, and we've got a guy who's known for being maybe a bit unathletic, but he can deliver the ball to where it's supposed to go, specifically in this offense. And I shrug my shoulders and I say, I was asking all last season for us to find a benchmark quarterback that would show us whether Matt Nagy's offense was any good or not. And if he's healthy, Foles should do that, theoretically. So I'm not too upset. Of course, I would have loved to get a Super Bowl quarterback too, but... Past a certain point, it takes two to tango with these trade scenarios. And I know I was somebody suggesting Derek Carr, so I need to throw this out there. I was expecting the Raiders to hate him enough to move him. That's where you can get value. But they didn't do that. And credit to Mike Mayock, because he had more value, in my opinion, with his contract and his play than the second rounder people were suggesting for him. That's nothing for a quarterback price, especially at his level, in my opinion. So they didn't move him, and good on them. That's a better, smarter move than the Bears stealing him for the 50th pick overall or something. But back to Foles, like you're talking about, Brad, I think the most complicated part about this is not just the cost we paid for him, but the cost from our personal wallet. People talk about how this is a fourth-round pick, and a lot of times I think that's debatably disingenuous, and that's not me calling anybody out. It's that it's the last. It's behind the last of the fourth round. So it's either the, mm-hmm. the worst fourth or the best fifth. The one worst of those two. Fourth. But another way to put it that's equally true as any of those is that it's the Bears' third pick in the draft. The biggest yep. issue, in my opinion, isn't that we traded – a fourth-round compensatory pick for Nick Foles. Yes, it's an overpay, but nobody cares if we have a first, a second, maybe a second second, a third, and a fourth pick in the draft. We don't have any of those. That was our third pick. People were penciling that in as our tight end that was going to stick around for a little while, and now we don't know where he fits in terms of mock draft situations. Part of me looks at this as it's not that Nick Foles cost a fourth-round pick. It's also partially that the wallet was so empty of capital that that pick in particular was a little more important to us than it is to the normal person. And like you're saying, Brad, when you factor all that in, I have trouble imagining that Pace got any some kind of a free deal from Jacksonville. We were kind of doing them a favor, right? I mean, that's not that crazy to think. So I'm surprised it wasn't cheaper. But fools the player, if he can stay healthy, that's my big thing. I will say that until we get to the season. Foles needs to stay healthy for this to have value. But the contract restructure that he took, (laughs) I'm certainly not upset about that. That's about as team-friendly as I could have asked for, and it even opens the door for us to potentially sign another player. But I'll turn it over to you, Dan, because we haven't gotten to you yet. What do you think of Foles then? What do you think of Foles now? Where do you stand on this whole thing? So my immediate immediate reaction to the Nick Foles trade was, was something you just mentioned, Robert, was, all right, well, we're going to find out if Matt Nagy's the dude. That's exactly what this is going to answer for us because all we said, that's all I said the entire season when Mitch was just doing awful things left and right was, I want to know if this offense works because I believe it works. I see wide receivers on all 22. I see him getting open, and I'm frustrated the entire time watching that. Now we have that guy that will do fine. I think the offense should be fine. And I believe that this could be a playoff team with Foles. 
Now, when it comes to the draft pick, I've been on a roller coaster with that for sure. <laughs> like, because it's like there's so many th- factors to that fourth round pick. Is like it's like all right, we gave up a fourth round pick for our starting quarterback. So part of me, I'm like, okay, that's not you know, right. that's not bad. And when you consider that portion of it, it's like you didn't have to do that. We didn't need to trade that fourth round pick. They could have given up, give up a sixth, and it's whatever. Or so. That part of me is just upset with Pace because Pace gets his guy and it feels like the Jaguars knew based on Pace past experiences that Pace is probably just going to give them what they want. And that's kind of a struggle with Ryan Pace at times. And Ryan, now Ryan Pace's that, conviction, people. Hey, speaking of that, I have to bring in a story that helps us segue to someone else because this is one. I can't wait to just see the look on y'all's faces in this Skype call as I bring him up. But so my brother had this really funny story when we were talking about when the Bears signed <laughs> Jimmy Graham, where he he postulated that Ryan Pace sometimes acts as if he stepped into the negotiation room. Jimmy sat down and he said, Jimmy, what's it going to take to bring you to Chicago? And Jimmy sat back with his agent. They talked about it and they came up with a smart highball answer. They said eight million dollars a year, nine million guaranteed, two years. And Brian Pace said done and walked away and the two couldn't believe it that they must have just looked at each other like wait did did he say done but i mean that's what ryan pace bought jimmy graham for and that's a lot of cheddar i know at the time i didn't like it right now i think i feel worse about it because as the bears cap has fallen i mean we've seen a whole lot of restructures we got robert quinn for less this year than we got Jimmy Graham for what in the world if this is this has consistently been my thought since I've gotten around to it I think Trey Burton when healthy is a better player so unless the Bears know something we don't about Burton's health this doesn't make any sense to me like if Burton plays a down if he splits time with Jimmy Graham I don't get this and I won't get this it'll only make sense and even then it's not that great a deal if he's the starting tight end and the only one, what do you guys think? Hey, uh, what what you think, Dan? You want you want to start off? I'm 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 interested. Oh God, resident you want me to start end. off on Jimmy yeah. Gr- the resident as tight resident end. tight end? I got I got I got yeah as, exactly. You know how it is. I got to put you on the qualification. <laughs> of course. Well, I hated that contract. I did not like the Jimmy Graham signing, and usually I'm. I'm a positive guy. I look at stuff. I try to look at the organization and be like, okay, why did they do this? And there was like nothing where I'm like, there's no reason we should have done this. There were other uh, options that they probably could have gotten way cheaper that would have probably given similar or value to. No one can, there is not a tight end that I can trust on the roster that can block for this offense right now. It's not one that I say I could trust him uh, in pass pro anything. Trey Burton is garbage at any sort of blocking so that made me mad when i saw jimmy graham because all the dudes we found someone worse at blocking so i don't understand it the only a positive of the jimmy graham deal afterwards because i had an awful feeling and i feel worse about it now but the one positive is he has stayed healthy the last couple of years. He play, he plays a decent amount. And if Trey Burton is going to be hurt all season again, then Jimmy Graham can earn some of that money. But otherwise, this contract just makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, 
I think you touched on a lot of a lot of the concerns we all had. It's interesting. I mean, he has stayed healthy, but he's also 33 years old, which I think sounds maybe younger when you say it compared to their positions. But like Robert Gronkowski just retired at 29, and I don't think a single person in here would think Gronk, Gronk had a short career. So like when you put it in that perspective, it's like the dude's old for a tight end. Um, and yeah, I mean, is Demetrius Harris the best blocking tight end in the roster? Is JP Holtz the best blocking tight end in the roster? Like I, I don't know. Um, and obviously, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, I have like nine tight ends on the roster right now, so moves are coming with the bottom there. Um, but it's, it was just a weird, yeah, just a weird addition. I, I mean, I I think that I've been asked if I thought the Bears were trying to scheme compensatory picks with their free agency signings, and the answer is a firm yes, which I'm very happy about. But like, I almost feel like they paid like your your analogy, your story of your brother, like they almost raised his value just because he was cut by the Packers. Like, they added, like, $3 million a year on because of that. Like, like if it was a two-year, $12 million contract, I would be fine with it. But it's you're guaranteeing $9 million to the guy. It, it, it's just unnecessary. And I think and, that's and, a really important distinction to make. Kari, I will give you the floor. I, I promise. Yeah, sorry. I'm getting too <laughs> excited if, if you want to jump in. No worries. You should. You should. <laughs> it's an exciting topic. I think that's a key here that I need to bring up before we get into this. A lot of this comes down to cost. Whether somebody likes something or doesn't like something comes down to cost and value. If you pay Russell Wilson $35 million a year, no one has an issue with that. No one. But if Just, you pay yeah. Kirk Cousins the same money while Russell Wilson's making that $35 million a year, he'd better be able to match him. In the same way, you have to remember that somebody like Hunter Henry is getting paid $10.75 million this in this next year. So Jimmy Graham needs to be roughly 80% of Hunter Henry, which he's not. We're hoping he gets 400 yards. That would be neat. That would be more than some would expect especially given that he's just coming off of playing with Russ and Aaron Rodgers. So now he moves into a Bears situation that's a little murky. But I just wanted to clarify before I hand it over to Kari, a lot of this, I like it, I hate it, comes down to what did you pay for him? Who is the player? How much did you think he was worth? But Kari, what do you think of the JG deal? Well, in, in thinking about what you mentioned about if Trey Burton plays a down or you know maybe they know something about Trey Burton's health. You know, I feel like... As many of us talked about, um, Trey Burton's the, the, the ongoing saga with his injury um, shook a lot of our faith in him. And it is interesting to note that, I mean, they wouldn't save much by cutting him necessarily, but they would save a little bit. By, I mean, they'd save about a tick over a million dollars by cutting Trey Burton if it came to that. Um However, uh, I, I guess I wasn't necessarily thinking that that's something that they might do, and it wouldn't really make me feel that much better about the situation. Actually, it wouldn't make me feel better about it at all, because now you're talking about Jimmy Graham as your number one U tight end, unless, of course, they draft somebody to take that over. In, in terms of, I don't, I never cared for the signing. And I cared for it a lot less after I saw the contract. And I, you know, everybody, you know, kind of, goes to the press conferences and he's saying, oh yeah, I feel faster. I feel healthier than I felt in a while. And I'm just kind of like, no, nah, you're not doing it for me, man. Because here's, here's the deal. Like you mentioned Rob Gronkowski and the fact that, you know, he retired at 29. Rob Gronkowski got beat up. I mean, he had a rough, he had a rough career. He battled through a lot of injuries. He took a lot of hits and he was 
a lot more physical on the blocking end of things, which might have hastened, you know, things from from that standpoint. Jimmy Graham has taken quite a few hits on his own. He's caught a lot of passes and you know, he's he's you know taken a lot of, of pounding and got a lot of you know tread on the tires. And we've seen that the last couple of years. Like people when they think of Jimmy Graham, you know, the image of him, they're thinking about him from his New Orleans days. And it's like Seahawks Jimmy Graham and Packers Jimmy Graham were not that. And I don't think that there's any reason to suspect that he'll be like that for the Bears. Really, this made me think of for you White Sox fans out there, this was a Kenny Williams-ish hire right here. This is, you know, it, yes. though though it, it also occurred to me, right, that Ryan Pace saw what Jimmy Graham could do when Jimmy Graham was Jimmy Graham, you know, when, when he was coming up and when he was one of the most, if not the most dominant tight end in the league at certain points, you know, of, of his of his tenure you know, with the, with the New Orleans Saints, with, with Drew Brees. And I keep on feeling like, you know, he's probably thinking, okay, maybe we can recreate that here, um, which takes me all the way back. And I don't want to go all in on this right now, but it takes me all the way back to one of my fundamental issues with Ryan Pace. And, and obviously we've, we've talked a lot, you know, in terms of um, kind of the, the the good signings and the good manipulations of the contracts that he's done at, at points during this free agency. But there's this continuing desire, I feel like, with Ryan Pace to recreate what he saw in New Orleans and recapture some of that magic or you know bring that magic to Chicago. And I feel like it is causing him, you know, his his reliance on that, his desire to have that is causing him to make bad decisions. For the Chicago Bears, or or at the very least, if not bad ones, questionable ones. And so I, you know, it's going to be like Bears legend Jimmy Graham after he's gone after next year. Like we're basically not going to remember this. And that would uh, certainly <laughs> be the hope, wouldn't it? I mean, it's so interesting you talk about that because obviously Ryan Pace adopted whatever defensive philosophy we have in Chicago, which is me trying to actually give him a compliment here. The work that he's done on defense and the work that he's done on offense are two different worlds. I mean, when Ryan Pace makes a defensive move, it's the right one. This guy flipped Adrian Amos for a pick better than Adrian Amos, or at I think it was the same. No, it was. It was better. It was better because uh, Amos was a fifth-round pick. Mm-hmm. He got four years of service and flipped him for more than he paid for him. That's it, That doesn't happen in the world of common market stuff. But then on offense, of course, we've struggled. One thing that occurred to me as we were going through Jimmy Graham's quarterbacking history, talking Drew Brees, then Russell Wilson, then Aaron Rodgers, I can only imagine the conversations that Jimmy Graham and Allen Robinson are going to have about what they expect out of their quarterbacks. One has gone from Christian Hackenberg to Blake Bortles to Mitchell Trubisky. Apologies, Mitch. And the other has had debatably three Hall of Famers. I mean, he all he knows is good quarterbacking. And that just, it's kind of wild to think about. But talking about defense, that, of course, brings us to, I think, the most widely regarded good signing that Chicago's had. And certainly one that my thoughts are well documented on uh, is Robert Quinn. And his, or his being brought to the Bears. Now, of course, he made headlines recently for potentially deciding the Bear, or to come to Chicago via a coin flip. But Allegedly. To, to be completely honest, whether he did or not, if he rushes the passer like he did in Dallas or like he did in St. Louis or even like he did in Miami, 
I won't care if it was a coin flip or not. What do you guys think? Because to me, yeah, it's expensive. I would describe this as a baseball contract. We're paying for 2020 and 2021, and we paid up 2022 just to make that happen. But it aligns with the Matt contract in the sense of we, we got him on as short a term as we could. We wanted to win now. It all makes sense in that capacity. And given that he completes sort of a rule of three between Hicks, Mac, and Quinn, I'm happy with it. What do you guys think? Dan, we'll start with you. So overall, I was blown away that we actually made that move for Robert Quinn. And something I didn't touch on with the Jimmy Graham that I wanted to wait on with the Robert Quinn is Ryan Pace just surprised me. He made the moves for position wise that I wanted to make because there was debate on tight end and there was debate on edge rusher. Cause I think people wanted to bring back Leonard Floyd. There was a, it felt like there was a majority that wanted to bring back Leonard Floyd. And I was very against it for a long time, just because I felt that the Chicago bears needed someone that can rush the passer and Leonard Floyd, what he does well, he's not a bad football player, but what he does well does not earn money. And the Robert Quinn deal is exciting because I feel that now with the rules of three, which by the way, the video that you created, Robert, excellent. That uh, <laughs> the Robert Quinn deal is exciting just because uh, market wise, you know, I Brad, you're the, you're the man for that. But just as a fan, it's a very fun signing. Odd that he also didn't know that Chuck Pagano was our defensive coordinator when he signed here. I took that more than the coin flip that he didn't even know who was on the coaching staff. I just want a guy to just say that uh, for once that when he signs a contract that. Why'd you sign this deal? Money. That's why. <laughs> Just yep. once. But I lo- I'll just jump in. Yeah, I'll jump in yeah. if you're done there. Cause I, I loved it because it's it's the most honest thing. Cause I would tell you right now, two-thirds of contracts, if not more, that's the reason why. Sorry, sorry for the folks at home that you know think that these guys are who rah-rah and care as much about our our you know bleeding uh, blue and orange. Like, no, Robert Quinn was looking for a nice payday and uh Atlanta, Chicago were calling his phone, and he, you know, he flipped a coin. Um, and I, I, in no way do I think that diminishes how passionate he'll be, how hard he'll work, and how successful he'll be as a Chicago Bear. And that's why I think it's okay to joke about. And I mean, the Pagano thing, maybe you could question that a little bit. Um, but yeah, the coin flip was hilarious, in my opinion. Uh, I think they tried to walk it back. I think his PR person got on the horn and was like, Robert. Um, but I, I, I loved it. Um, yeah, and I think. The baseball contract analogy is perfect where I, I could nitpick the money a little bit if, if I wanted to, but you are. You're, you're basically paying a little more on the front end of the deal. His age 32 season, the third year of the deal, he may, you know, maybe he'll play and he'll be a rotational Terrell Suggs type situation, or maybe he's fully gone. But you, I can sit here and complain about that. But this pass rush in 2020, my goodness. I, I mean, good luck. Good luck opposing quarterbacks. It'll be a really good test of whether pass rush matters more than coverage. I know that's a big debate now. So if this pass rush comes out and dominates, maybe pass rush gets a point. And if they don't, oh boy. Kari, what did you think? Yeah, so it's funny we keep on mentioning the, uh, um, you know, kind of the Chuck Pagano thing. Because, you know, one, one, of, the, one of the issues that has been tossed around a lot is um, that Robert Quinn is... You know, not really a five technique. He's not really a, he's not really a stand up. I, I guess I should say he's not a stand up. You know, outside linebacker who's going to rush. He's more of a hand, he's more of a hand in the ground kind of guy. You know, and and I guess I, you know, in thinking about that, I I wonder how much of an adjustment that 
uh, you know, Chuck Pagano will make from that standpoint, um, particularly because, um, you know, it, it was talked about a lot when, uh, you know, Vic Fangio was coaching Khalil Mack, you know, that first year that, um, you know, he was used primarily, you know, or like often in the stand-up role, but sometimes Khalil Mack likes to have his hand on the ground. And if Khalil Mack wants to put his hand on the ground, you damn well let Khalil Mack do whatever he wants. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, kind of more of a, you know, kind of 40 front kind of deal where both Mack and Quinn put their hands on the ground and go attack people on third downs because, hey, man, if it's working, you know, and they're, and they're generating the pressure we expect them to make, then as far as I'm concerned, you let them do whatever. Um, I, I, you know, like Dan, was surprised and pleased at the at you know what happened there because you know, as we talked about I, I liked I liked Leonard Floyd's all around game but he was not worth paying 15 million dollars on that you know or 13 million dollars I should say he wasn't worth making 13 million dollars on that fifth year option and so ultimately releasing him was the right move because you just don't you don't have the the space or the time to be paying for luxuries you know it, what what you need is for a guy that's going to generate the production and generate the pressure and you know really make this this front more dangerous because i think what we saw at points last season was what happens when you know Akeem Hicks goes down or you know things aren't going quite as well up front as you need them to go and then all of a sudden this defense is not as dominant as you need it to be and I think that signing Quinn, if everything goes the way that we hope it does, might stave off, hopefully, some of the attrition that I was afraid of seeing from this defensive unit coming up in 2020. Because, you know, we going back to you know Nick Foles, right? We we wanted to see a guy who was going to operate the offense and just make it work in the most basic senses consistently, right? So essentially, we wanted to just see an offensive unit that pulls its weight for a defense that is one of the better defenses in the league. And what my concern was coming into this, and I'm sure this is something we all thought about, is are we going to have a situation where we've now waited too long for the offense to turn things around and start pulling its weight, and all of a sudden our, de our defense, which has been among the tops in the league the past couple of years, like, did we miss our window? And, and, you know, is the defense now going to regress? And I think that, um, you know, in spite of the fears of regression last year, I mean, yeah, there was a regression in terms of turnover, you know, in terms of takeaways and some of the, the more gaudy statistics, but overall it was a still really good unit. And I was a bit concerned about um, the loss of talent, you know, the loss of depth and what that might do. Um, and I think that Robert Quinn... Um, a healthy Robert Quinn productive across from Khalil Mack is a really exciting prospect for keeping this defense in the kind of shape that it needs to be in to test out this overall theory of, mm -hmm. you know, is, is a competent offense enough to make this team a contender in theory? Yes. Uh, but you know, we will obviously see about that, but yeah, my, my general take on, on the Quinn signing was okay. Now we're cooking. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we we ain't got to we ain't got to talk all about you know Nick Foles and spending you know too much on a quarterback that's very meh. Like now we can actually talk about a signing that um, everybody you know generally likes, and I think he's followed up with some pretty decent ones after that.
I couldn't agree more, Kari, but folks, that's going to have to do it for part one. Stick around for part two, probably coming out within the next few days, where me and the rest of the guys will go through exactly what our thoughts are of the Bears GM Ryan Pace and what he's been able to do in his tenure as the head of the Bears organization so far. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. And you can find the rest of the guys on Twitter as follows. You can find Dan at his handle, DanDeYoungFB. And you can find Kari at his handle, KDThompson5. And Brad, of course, at BradOTC. All of those spelled like they sounds. You can also find more of my work on YouTube at a channel of my name, though that's likely to change here in the near future. But for now, that's going to do it. Bears fans, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with me. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.